we we kind of joked after the theater that <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll get into it um my my one word le- or one sentence review on letterboxd was is it possible for eyebrows to break the fourth wall <laughs> hello everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 366 with our review of paper towns i'm christopher schnazy and i'm steven miller And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, we are going to be bringing you a bunch of reviews. Um, Right now, we're talking about Paper Towns. Uh, We're also going to have a review of Southpaw. And then I'm actually going to have a guest reviewer on to review Pixels. So, hope you guys are all excited for that. How are you doing this fine uh, afternoon, Stephen? I'm doing good, doing better by the fact that I did not have to see Pixels yet, <laughs> so that's always nice. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet either, but sometime after we're done recording here, I'm going to have to run off to the theater and catch it. Are you catching it in IMAX? I saw they have all the fancy things for it. Um, I don't think I will be because my little theater here in Alameda is uh, it's, it's old and it's little. <laughs> I don't think we have an IMAX. When I first saw it at the the Metreon yesterday, I thought it said Paper Towns was in IMAX 3D. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't believe they were busting it out for this movie. So do you, do you know if uh, our uh, the Oakland uh, Regal that's along the freeway just a ways over is like true IMAX or not? Because it's a big ass theater with a big ass sign that says IMAX, and I was just wondering if if that's true IMAX. The over Oak- there. You, you mean the Emeryville one, like right across the bridge? No, 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 it's down down the freeway a little bit. Hmm. I'm not positive. I don't think I've ever seen anything there. I know the one in the one in Emeryville, I think, has a real IMAX screen. Okay, cool. So if that one that one's even closer, so that's better. <laughs> yeah. But uh I know that like anytime I wanted like if I was really excited for a big IMAX release, I always had to drive up to Irvine, which you know isn't too far away, but there's still like forty five minutes or whatever. Um, so I was just curious if we had like a real IMAX in the area near us. So definitely the Metreon, the theater we've been going to, uh, their IMAX showings feel exactly like the Irvine kind. Like very, very big screen, good audio. I'm not sure what makes a IMAX different, but this felt like Irvine sized. All right. Uh, I guess I'll have to do some Google searching um, and figure it out. But uh, yeah, enough about our personal (laughs) theater experiences that we don't even have yet. Um, I'm sure people are super excited to hear this this banter. Are you are you ready to get into Paper Towns? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Well, uh, let, let's stop being a paper podcast. Be, be a real podcast. We're going to give you guys a second to listen to the trailer for Paper Towns and then come back and give you guys a review. Can I open my eyes now? You're giving me the minivan. <laughs> we know how much you love driving it. Awesome. Life for me was a well-oiled machine. Duke in the fall, kids by 30, got it all mapped out. Sounds boring, sure, but I like boring. Hi, Mr. Jacobson. Hi, Ben. Hi, Radar. I would hit that so hard. Q, that's a good thing. Doesn't really make sense for us to go our teenage years never having been to a high school party. We've been to plenty of parties. No, If there's a tuba there, it's not a party. From the moment I saw Margot Ralph Spiegelman, I was madly in love. Margot and I were practically strangers. Until this one night. What the? Margo? I need to borrow your car. 
What? I have nine things I need to do tonight, and more than half of them require a getaway driver. My boyfriend has been cheating on me. Revenge plot begins. Not as weird as it looks. Still weird. Ninjas. I can feel my heart beating in my chest. That is the way you should feel your whole life. Beautiful. It's a paper town. Paper houses and paper people. Margot loved mysteries. Maybe she loved them so much, she became one. She's gone. When was the last time you saw Margot? Where the hell was she? Who was she with? Why wasn't it me? You were with her her last night. It has to mean something. That was the greatest 30 seconds of my life. I found something, an address. Did she ever say anything to you about an abandoned building? Margo? Guys? You'll go to the paper towns and you'll never come back. Oh. Last time I was this scared, I just sleep in my mom's bed. If I were you, I would get that scared every single night. I've never missed school before. It feels kind of wrong. It does feel kind of wrong, but it also feels kind of right. Take a risk. Stop playing it so safe. Dude, put your shirt on. How much do you drink? I think it's stuck to my hand. I miss her. I miss her too. If I don't find Margot, it's all for nothing. You have to get lost before you find yourself. All right, so that was a trailer for Paper Towns. Basically, we have this, uh, you know, little little good kid who, you know, doesn't do anything too crazy, kind of just stays home, bees good, and uh, does his schoolwork. But uh, there's this girl that lives across the way from him that he's, you know, grown up his whole life, kind of uh, having a very fond crush on. And uh, one day she shows up and says, like, hey, I got to go do some stuff. I need a driver. You have your mom's car. Let's go do this. He goes out, has a great night. Um, you know, fun little extravaganza. And then, you know, the next day she's just vanished, um, but she has left behind little clues and he takes it upon himself to go on a grand adventure to put together the clues, figure out where he go- she went and uh, try to see if he can, you know, finally grasp the love of his life. So Stephen, uh, what did you think of this film? First of all, I think grasping her is a kind of creepy, uh, cre- creepy way to say it. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't like, wait she was, like, I can she, finally grasp you. I mean, like she was, she was like slipping through his fingers because she disappeared, and then now he's trying to hunt her down, and she's just out of reach, and he's trying to grasp her, like metaphorically, Meta- metaphorically, not, not, yeah, not gross, creepily. I gotcha. Um, yeah. So this is one of those movies that I think I wanted to like much more than it deserved to be liked. Um, <laughs> I mean, with... is, is that your opinion at the end of it? Or you mean, like, I don't even know what my question was going to be, but I guess you could the, interpret the, that two different ways. Like, you think the film, like, you wanted to like it, even though you think the film didn't need to be liked going into it, or having seen it, you want to like it more than you did? Having seen it, I want to root for it more than I actually do. Okay, um, gotcha. And I think that's because maybe i'm not the target demographic for a teenage coming of age movie so at least at least not one that's filmed all at once if it's filmed over 12 years then then it's perfect for you well then humanity is the target demographic of course (laughs) but this it's the kind of thing where compared to most teenage schlock like i see a movie like this coming out where 
it is portraying a realistic look at high schoolers and dealing with things that I remember dealing with when I was younger. And the message and spirit of the movie is something that I want there to be more of. So I want really badly for this movie to hold together. Um, and especially this message, I think it was not too different from me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It had this idea that this one person can't just be an ideal for you to throw yourself into, you know, people are deeper than, than you expect them to be. Yeah. And I think coming from a genre where people are notoriously shallow, like that is a really nice thing. And I also want to like this movie a lot because everyone in it is really good. As far as I'm concerned, like all of the actors, especially the, the kid who plays Quentin he, I thought, was a completely believable teenager. The way he and his friends kind of navigate high school and interact is exactly the way I remember it. The problem is this whole movie, it has this arc about being obsessed with the love of your life and then going after her. And something about that arc, it felt like they couldn't afford to film it. Like the part that <laughs> motivated the obsession or made me actually believe there was anything to this person, or that he had been pining for her for a long time, it felt really, like, short-changed. Like, they, they show a few scenes of him kind of looking at her from a distance and nothing else. Yeah. And, and then the whole film kind of hinges on this one magical night where he gets to spend time with her and falls in love kind of more immediately. And maybe this is one of those things where a book just describes things that a movie can't do like the book has access to his internal monologue and we don't get that but throughout that whole moment I really didn't feel anything between the characters and that shouldn't be a big deal for a movie that mostly takes place without them at the center but it, it just kind of it made the whole movie feel like it was he was chasing a thing that I didn't believe he was actually chasing and that, I don't know, there was something about that that just made every moment in the film feel genuine in the high school sense, but it didn't feel like it was building towards any arc. And that made it be just a little unsatisfying for me. So so for the, the part that you said you didn't really... Sure, I forget the exact words you used, but basically, were, were you talking about the actual night they were spending together is what you didn't feel connected to, or following that moment uh the night they spent together i didn't feel connected to it huh. and then I, so okay so the way the way i feel like this movie is structured is there was this one magical night and then quentin is obsessed with finding this amazing person but the way it actually plays out to me is there's this unremarkable night between two people and then quentin and his friends are completely normal well-adjusted high schoolers until the script needs him to be obsessed over something. And then for like one minute, he'll say something obsessive. But I don't, nothing else about the movie motivates that there was an actual deficit in them or a thing that he needed. It really felt like they were just taking the pages out of a book and just actors were acting it out in a very... I, I, don't, I don't even know how to verbalize it. It, it didn't feel true to me, I guess. Well, so, so it's really interesting because, like, uh, I mean, I I agree this is not the the most perfect of films, and I think that um, 
you know, you know, a week from now, I'm probably not going to be thinking about Paper Towns at all. But in the process of watching the film, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, <laughs> I and it's funny too what you're saying about this this magical night that they had because while technically the night was not that magical, I was totally wrapped up in in the experience that that the kid was going through. And I it was funny because once the night was over and like they're standing in the street between both their houses and she's like, see you. And then he's like, when he goes inside, like I wanted this movie to have the entire movie be just the night. And then them saying, see you. And then her like vanishing. Like I, that that's like, I think if it would have played out exactly like it did, but spread over the entire evening, like, cause she said she has like five or nine things that she has to do in the evening. And I think we see like three, um, mm-hmm. And I feel like if there was a lot of things and they literally got home as the sun was coming up, um, that like it, I don't know, I just, because I, I was totally wrapped up and involved in the, in the night. And it's not that anything they did was that magical. It was that the boy is so safe. Like he, he's been so safe with his whole life and now he's branching out and doing things that are unsafe. And And while I agree that that one evening isn't technically enough to justify what he's chasing there is enough planted in it because it's like so he's been safe his whole life he he grew up with her as friends and he watched her go off to be the cool girl and like it's not that he's technically been pining over her like all of his growing up life but it but she's been there she's been present and he's had this fondness for her and she's always been sort of unattainable at reach and he gets to spend this one night with her and that experience goes well she like gives him enough compliments that like a nerdy dude who has the chick that he thinks is hot like giving him any kind of compliment is going to reinforce any of those feelings that he has and then he leaves her or she leaves him with the message of like you need to not take the safe route like life will be better for you if you don't like in life going forward from now on don't always take the safe path and then he internalizes that to go like wait she thought i was kind of cool the night was well it was totally a thing that i would never do before she's leaving these clues like this is this is what she was taught like it's almost like he has this message from her to go do this like so to me while in general Yes, there wasn't enough for him to really be on it. There was enough little things there that I could totally buy into doing something like that. I I think maybe the reason I had trouble with it is the casting, his character was cast almost too perfectly, (laughs) meaning I didn't believe for a second that uh, Nat Wolf, I think is his name, was unsafe or needed to learn this lesson <laughs> like in in my mind he, from the get-go he was the most well-adjusted confident high schooler and this margot person seemed like just an eccentric outsider who would not have actually been popular in that world yeah and so it it, it just had this moment where whenever whenever he would be learning something or he would break down and be upset it felt untrue to his character for me because I didn't, I didn't feel that longing at the beginning of the film that was somehow met at the end of the film, which should be like a pretty minor complaint. But when the whole movie kind of rests on, as an adult viewer, the main thing it could give me is some form of nostalgia where I I see myself in that character and I remember that journey. And when, those beats, I just didn't believe them because they were coming from 
an already relatively perfect character it it just left a weird it, it left me in this weird place where i i saw what the movie was going for and i liked what it was aiming for but i never once felt it in any sort of internal or relatable way i i think that for me the reason why that like everything you're saying i'm like no yeah that that sounds about right like <laughs> i'm like i'm not I don't really have a a counter argument for the points you're making other than to say that like I think what the film does do a good job of is not focusing on Margot. Like it even the scenes like you were saying where he's just like staring at her from afar, the camera is on his face looking over at her and she's either not in the frame at all or like out of focus. Like the camera's looking past her at him looking at her. And I think that when I think back about the film is there's not a really a lot of time where she's there. The film is all him and this not, it's not really a metaphor for her existence, but it's like the, the person isn't important. It's the thing that they represent, which in, mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, even in the context of the story is it's not, you're not sure whether she is what he wants or this idea he has of her is what he really wants. And I think mm-hmm. that, for me, I was able to slide myself into his position regardless of who the chick was. Like, what she represented, the person who is not like he is, that is comfortable being these ways that he's maybe afraid to be um, comfortable in. Like, it, I totally bought into... Um, I always, I'm always stuck only being able to use the word uh, seductive, but when I don't mean like in a sexual way, but like I I can get Mm -hmm. what is so special about the idea of this girl. Um, She herself doesn't necessarily like scream super awesome to me, but like the idea of her, uh, I bought into. Yeah, I, I buy into it too. And I think that's, I buy into the idea, which is why on paper, <laughs> like reading the book, I think I would perhaps feel it more. We we kind of joked after the theater that, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, my my one word le- or one sentence review on Letterboxd was, is it possible for eyebrows to break the fourth wall? <laughs> and, I, and so I think... You know, okay, I, I don't want to harp on the looks of characters because, of course, that isn't the point. But there was something to this casting, both with him and with Margot, where they both felt like utterly confident adults who had already figured out exactly who they wanted to be. And she wanted to be like kind of quirky and offbeat, and he wanted to be the standard brainy but also popular friendly high schooler and this is kind of a common problem with teenage movies but especially this one for me I just never believed I was actually looking at kids who needed to learn anything and when he would interact with her it felt it had this like manny manic pixie dream girl vibe to it kind of like Natalie Portman in Garden State or something yeah where it isn't this unattainable girl that he wants to chase. It's like this very well-realized strange person who who doesn't seem to care about all the people who she damages by seeking this kind of crazy lifestyle. And because it didn't feel like they were two kids who were just trying to figure themselves out, I couldn't... 
empathize with his struggle to figure himself out or his chase for her. It's like I jumped to the movie's conclusion way before the movie wanted me to get there. (laughs) And and I think that's what made it be a kind of funny, funny ride. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like the story was written from the context of hindsight. So it's the adult version of him writing the character as a child, not like not a this isn't like a journal entry of who she was at the time this is his memory as an adult of what she was like back then um so i can i can i can definitely see that i which isn't to just like be strictly negative about the movie for instance i thought all of the secondary characters were pretty great actually <laughs> were pretty well done like i love the <laughs> yeah. the the little geeky kid who gets drunk for the first time and <laughs> the, was so amazing the other unattainable girl who is more of the traditional unattainable high school girl, I yeah. thought they did, they did nice things with her character, making her be more more real than most anyone else in the movie. Um, <laughs> the, the, the friend Razor with Black Santas in his house. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. They, I, I thought they did a really good job with that. And those moments where they are all just hanging out, having fun, and forgetting the kind of Margot side of the journey, that I thought was almost to the degree of the spectacular now or something, like a very realistic look at the way kids interact with each other. Yeah. And whenever that was going on, it was at least like had that nostalgic joy to watch. I, I definitely didn't bust out laughing as often as you did during some of the, <laughs> some of the jokes they tried to pull. Um, but yeah it it felt like the the writer and the director do have a handle on how teenagers relate to each other it just felt like the the point it was trying to bring home like it was trying to be about something bigger this kind of hero's journey or this coming of age tale and i i just didn't feel like they came of age i felt like they were of age years before the movie took place yeah i no, i can feel that <laughs> um yeah i don't know I, I i i can't say more than just to say that i i, I really enjoyed watching this movie <laughs> like it was one of those things where I, I think this i mean going back to the words that i always get stuck using is this is just a cute movie like it's one of those things that uh you know like i said this isn't going to go down in in my books of being like a 500 days of summer or anything like that. But watching the movie, I just felt happy the whole time. <laughs> and that's like, like this is the type of movie where that's exactly what you want from it. Cause I remember seeing the trailer in theaters and just thinking like, Oh, this movie, it seems like a movie I'm going to like. <laughs> and then I went and I liked it. Yeah. And I, I think this movie, it's definitely exactly what you would expect it to be from the trailers. I, I can't even really define what, what makes movies like The Way Way Back or Kings of Summer or Spectacular Now just a solid notch above something like this. Like, both of them have the same positives about it, the really good representation of teenagers that doesn't talk down to them, uh, the kind of nostalgic self-identification. But this movie felt more like a wish-fulfillment movie for a teenager, I guess. Like... This felt like, what if these kids got to try to solve a mystery and went out and, whoa, they went to a crazy party and they go on a road trip and isn't this so exciting? <laughs> and because the the stakes were not very high, 
but they were played as if they were high from the teenage angle, which maybe that just means I don't remember what it felt like to be 18. <laughs> um, like maybe to an 18 year old, this would be a very captivating movie. But for me, it just didn't, it didn't feel like aware enough to be a hindsight film that's remembering youth, but it also felt just a little too reserved to be like a teenage movie that is actually like Project Almanac treating these things seriously. Yeah, It, it was like somewhere in the middle. Well, it, it's funny because like if, if you, because you, you already re- referenced me and Earl and Dying Girl and uh, the, the context of him like trying to get into college in that story and and what the narrative aspect of the story eventually becomes, I feel like this movie would have worked. Like th- this movie could be the how I spent my last week of high school, <laughs> like mm-hmm. as a narrative structure being told to somebody. Like, th- like what was your greatest memory from high school? Um, this is w- works perfectly as that story. Yes. Uh, but but like as as you're saying, yeah, this is a this is a kid who has made it through high school without any major conflicts in his life. <laughs> he is sort of sailed through on a path that he had pre like set at the beginning of high school, presumably, and he's worked his way there doing exactly what he wanted to do. And he he's the planning. me he's the me and me and Earl, basically. <laughs> yeah. He's managed to navigate without any confrontation in high school. Yeah, and, and now now he's 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 getting into the college that he wants to go to and he's just going to go there and then he's going to graduate. Like there's a point in the middle of the film where he says to somebody else, this is my plan or whatever, where he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to school and then uh, I'm going to be married by 30 and then, or or I'm going to be married and then have kids by 30 or whatever his thing is. Like he just has this plan set in stone and he's not really learning a lesson. He's just learning that like maybe he's allowed to deviate from the plan and just enjoy himself. It, it, mm-hmm. It's kind of funny, like referencing again the spectacular now. There is like a mini message in the film that's like, shouldn't we just enjoy now and yeah. not be working towards some oh, goal? The, the message whole time? from the alcoholic, you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it, it's, yeah, it, it's kind of, I don't know. I, this is, it's not like a good movie. It's just an enjoyable movie. And I keep getting tripped up by that. Because there are definitely faults, but it also has some great, like, there. there's a point at the end of this film, which we don't have to, like, really talk about, where, like, it's it's really the first time in the entire film and maybe this kid's entire life where he has a choice to make. And mm-hmm. he, he, like, this whole film is building him to making one choice, and then maybe he just takes the other choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Well, like, it's... Go ahead. I, that is one of those things that made me want to like the movie because I love what the author did with that moment. I think, I think it's great the way that he makes it play out. I I think it's a good thing for teenagers to self identify with, but even that scene, when it actually took place in the movie, I, I only got the sense of like an author telling us this is character a, this is character B. These are their flaws and weaknesses. This is what he's going to do. I don't know. It just never felt, real enough to me for it to to hit the way that I assume it hit everyone else in the audience like I think even those annoying teenagers in front of us were pretty quiet during that part (laughs) but yeah yeah, it it just lacked the the realism that I think made things like spectacular now way more impactful 
for me. Yeah. So what you're saying is that like it doesn't feel like the decision was made in that moment. It feels like the decision was made on paper before yeah. they filmed the scene and then they just delivered the line that they were like supposed to deliver. Yeah, well, or it's the same with with his flaws toward the beginning with that that moment you mentioned when Margot tells him you can't live your life playing it safe. You need to reach out and, you know, experience things. And that that didn't actually feel like two characters interacting it felt like an author who said i want a character who hasn't yet learned to reach out and experience things <laughs> so i'm gonna have someone else label him explicitly in the beginning so we know like what defect he's gonna solve by the end yeah there, there was just a little bit of a like formulaic kind of laziness to the way it played out on screen but with all that said i can imagine being like 16 or 17 and reading that book and being fully, fully invested in the characters. Hop, hopping in your car and driving to New York. <laughs> yeah, because I'm making fun of it. But I mean, when I was 18, the like one and a half week road trip I took with friends remained my biggest memory for a long time. <laughs> like yeah. That was a big deal back then. Peeing in a bottle <laughs> specifically was a big deal back then. <laughs> was yours also a Gatorade bottle? It was actually, yeah. <laughs> yes, as as was my first thing in a bottle experience. And it's those little moments, I think, that we all can come together and unify in the film. Yes, <laughs> but this does also have the that weird Hollywoodization of high school. I felt like the spectacular now didn't have this, where when the popular kids and the parties they throw. These are the kind of things that, like, I have never been to a frat party that looked like this. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow in Hollywood, all of these social uh, cliques are basically, like, 25 or 30 years old already. <laughs> and they have, like, fancy houses and killer parties. <laughs> Snoop Dogg would probably show up at one of them. Well, don't uh, you know that it's always that one of the parents goes on, va or the parents go on vacation and like, now don't you have a party? And they're like, there's no one at my house party. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I just <laughs> didn't go to the cool high schools. Maybe everyone else identifies with this view of high school. No, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't go to any of those parties when I was in high school either. When I was in college, I went to one party like that, but... There was no movies made about it. <laughs> the events weren't that special. It's a shame. Yeah. But, you know, who knows what the future will hold. Maybe I got to write a spec script and, like, send it out. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, one one other thing that kind of irked me about this movie is the... It, it seems like it had this high concept of paper towns. Things cartographers put a city on a map that isn't actually real and it was kind of a trademark to check if people are forging maps or copying them um and the movie it tries a few times to squeeze in this as a clear metaphor for people in the movie and his relation to them and i still don't think i understand what the metaphor is <laughs> like I, i'm not i'm not completely sure i understand what a paper town is with respect to these characters i well i don't i almost i almost have a theory that it's not a metaphor at all and it was just a way to like let him um you know sherlock holmes style figure out where she went <laughs> because 
I mean, because paper towns, like I, I never heard of paper towns, but I've heard of trap streets, which are the same concept, but it's a street, not an entire town, which kind of makes mm-hmm. more sense if you think about it, <laughs> because yeah. no one's going to believe this entire town exists in this one cabin on the side of this road. Um, so like that didn't bother me. I think it's just one of those things where like paper towns, it just sounds like an indie movie. <laughs> so like they just... <laughs> turned Trap Street into Paper Town and then put that as the title of the movie. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, I I feel like it was an it's like the author found out what a paper town was and he thought, oh, this is a cool idea. I'm gonna try to squeeze this into this coming of age book that I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. But really, my only real main complaint is that uh, his mom didn't seem to care that he stole the van for two days. <laughs> well, he was secretly calling her all the time. Yeah, he was, but he was like, no, like he calls her and he's like, no, it's cool. It'll just be like, you know, two days, not, 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 not too big. We'll be back in a few. Like, well, how is the mom going to eat or do anything else? Like, Yeah, that's true. The... She, she was basically like, okay, honey, be safe. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little... There are some reckless moments in this movie. Like, also, I'm pretty sure by my tally, he's been awake for, like, 72 hours. <laughs> and he's driving a van on the freeway. Well, he sleeps for a second in that one uh, rundown convenience store. That's true. You're right. So, or he's maybe, responsible. Oh, my God. Maybe the entire movie takes place while he's asleep on the floor of that convenience store. Oh, mind explosion. Ooh. Right now, he is still. We 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 left before the very very end of the credits, so we don't know. Maybe he wakes up on the floor of that thing, and, and a top is spinning in front of him. Yeah, top is spinning in front. Margot's standing there. It's. I mean, it could be a whole different movie. Whole different movie. I, I think that's the sequel. <laughs> whole different movie. He he wakes up and it was all a dream, but then the same thing happens in real life. Yeah, exactly the same. That's why the line delivery was like that, because he's literally dreamt that moment before. So he's just <laughs> replaying the events in, uh, yeah. I think this line of <laughs> thinking is worn out. <laughs> no, think about it. Okay, so remember in Primer, how he's got like the the recorder going and he's like listening back to it. The, every time he goes back so that he can just do the same things that happened like four seconds earlier in the other timeline. This whole movie is actors acting out a thing <laughs> they've been told to do. This this is Synecdoche, New York. That's going to be the tagline for this movie in every poster. This is Synecdoche, New York. Christopher <laughs> Schneider. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, should we get to our verdicts then? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I I feel like I'm always a little more positive than I should be. Like, probably by everything I just said, this should be a pass with a caveat. But the movie did, it was a nice, well-intentioned movie, so I'd give it a wait for rental. I think it isn't anything special. You've You're not missing much if you don't see it. But it is a nice high school movie, and as far as these kind of young adult tailored movies are concerned, this one is a bit more clever than the rest and has some, it has a genuinely good message, 
which I can't say for a lot of other ones. But really, if you want to get the one t-shirt joke, you have to watch it in theaters now. Otherwise, it's not going to be very timely anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I really wonder if they added that Confederate, ja- <laughs> Confederate flag joke in later. It just seems... Oh. It seems impossible that that was in the book, and then the movie comes out like the week that the nation is debating this. Yeah, it is kind of weird, but uh, I would if it is in the book, like that's freaking amazing. <laughs> um, it, you know, it would go back to my theory about this is actually about a time traveler. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, I am trying to debate what i should give this uh like i i enjoyed it a lot as i said i think it literally is the perfect rental movie this is the movie where like you're bored at home alone on a whatever night and you're like i'm just gonna eat some popcorn drink a beer and watch this little like kid romantic comedy and then you just feel happy when you watch it because it's really fun and enjoyable but it's not it's not going to go down in the uh, list of greatest romantic comedies of all time about little kids growing up uh, but it is it is an enjoyable watch, so I'll stick with uh, Wait for Rental and just say that uh, you should rent it just one night when you're feeling like spending two hours watching a cute little film. Cool? Cool. And also, I think Nat Wolf is like one of the younger actors to watch because he, he is still really good in this and he's good in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Yeah. Not, not quite Miles Teller good, but you know. He he's like the more adorable sidekick of Miles Teller. <laughs> yeah, or like if they were if they played brothers. <laughs> he's the straight A student and Miles Teller is the alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is gonna do it for this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Um Yeah, you wanna let anybody know where they can find you if they want to do so throughout the week, Steven? <laughs> Um, if you want to find me, I'll leave a series of clues related to Leaves of Grass, the one <laughs> great work of American literature that high schoolers all have to read. <laughs> um, so yeah, just stay tuned for that. Cool. Uh, people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or leave the contact form on our site. Or what number can they call, Stephen? 760-475-4TSW. That's 760. I think it's 575. 575-4879. Music for today's podcast. I have no idea. Will come from probably the soundtrack to Paper Towns. Um, it'll probably be a paper song for paper listeners of our paper podcast. So yeah, we are going to head off and go record our review of Southpaw, um, which uh, <laughs> might be phenomenal. See what I did there? I took, took the song and made it. Uh, yeah. Um, anyways. We're going to go do that, so enjoy this episode that you just listened to, and then if you're curious about Southpaw, check that episode out too. Later. See ya.